Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hello, and welcome to this episode of DEI After Five. You know, as we continue to have conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, one of the things that I noticed is that there's some aspects of diversity that are often left out. We talk about race, we talk about gender, we talk about sexual orientation. Sometimes people talk about disability, but how often do we talk about religion and what that looks like in this space? And so today my guest is Rahime Ramazani. I want to make sure I say that correctly. And she is a DEI consultant that works in the space around um, accessibility and disability, as well as religious diversity. So Rahime, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. It is truly a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in this work. I know you just launched your consulting business. So can you tell us about your journey? So I don't want to surprise anyone. I am Muslim. Okay. Okay. We're good. Yeah, I know. I know. know. Shocking. So that really is the heart and like the beginnings of me getting into religion within diversity, equity, inclusion in my DEI journey in general. I have a master's in intercultural communication and I had a professor who recommended I go to a conference where I came across this field. And I feel that the intercultural communication field and DEI lend so much to each other and strengthen each other together. They are slightly different. Um, and so that really brought me into the DEI realm. I've worked for a number of years in multiple organizations, both like in a consulting space, as well as program management, event management, nonprofits, and so on. Um, but especially as, you know, a Muslim, as a Muslim woman, as someone who is visibly identifiable through wearing a headscarf, a religious headscarf, um, as a Muslim, it's a very specific way of walking through the world, especially in the United States, where I'm, I'm American, I'm born and raised in the United States. Um, the vast majority of my life has been in the United States. So that's really my context. And being very obviously other and different, I am incredibly lucky and blessed that I have not faced hardcore Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people who just don't know anything of like actual like based in facts or based in like nuance about Muslims and a lot of the times when I meet people if they're not like actively hating on Muslims it's just kind of like are Muslims aliens I have literally no idea what you're about and so on so that definitely was a foothold but also in a previous job I did a lot of interfaith work or participated in the interfaith work the organization did and seeing how folks of other marginalized religious identities also were not able to bring their full authentic selves as much as they wished to to the spaces that they were in that they were not being accommodated with like their religious holidays or their expressions again not and we can get in we will definitely get into this you know for sure 
a big point of talking about religion. Forgive me, I am absolutely a talker. I promise I will stop. The one of the sticky points about bringing up religion in DEI or in general, because of course, like we're all taught, like, oh, don't talk about religion in politics. Don't talk right. about it. It's not polite is the idea of like, oh, are you trying to convert me, right? And I've had those conversations where people are like clearly trying to convert me. I know how uncomfortable it is. I hate being those, in those kinds of dynamics and conversations. So I would never want to do that to other people. But at the same time, hope, like my work is around, there should be a place for people to express themselves. And if people are interested in learning in an interface sense about other religions, we can describe our beliefs, but not in a persuasive manner. Just like, this is what it is. You don't have to believe it, but this is yeah. what it is. But, you know, please respect that I believe this. You know, I, I appreciate your explanation because I think for so many people, um, and again, my, you know, I brought up Christian. Mm -hmm. My father was an Episcopal priest. So oh, was, hey. yeah, very big part of my family. Like you stumble over priest in my family. Um, and so I understand how it could be a part. It is truly a part of your life. Mm -hmm. um, but just with any other identity, we can't leave parts of ourselves at home. Yeah. And so how have you seen um, this kind of impact, especially in corporate spaces? Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, I've I'm, I'm going to ask that question and I'll tell you why I'm, I'm asking that question in a second. But how does that impact, you know, how people show up in corporate spaces, particularly? I would say that there is a lot of minimizing of oneself. There is a lot of ascribing to white supremacy norms in order to survive because there isn't the psychological safety to literally just exist as yourself, right? Not even to have like innovative ideas or bring up like, hey, have we considered this or that for a project? Nothing even as far as that, just literally putting your head down, making as little ways as possible, drawing as little attention to yourself, being as little other as possible. And especially like for people who visibly are yeah. different. And it's not just Muslim women who choose to wear the headscarf. Right. Like not all Muslim women wear this also, by the way, and right. that's totally fine. So even with that, but there are other religions as well that wear or behave in a certain way that makes it obvious to an outsider that they are of a particular religion. Um, and if there is no concept of, you know, inclusion around this topic, like it's going to be very othering. Um, and a place for biases to really like fester without putting a light on it and be like, hey, let's just investigate this, see what it is, see what it isn't, and then move on with our work, right? So yeah. in corporate spaces, a lot of it is just put your head down, don't make waves, try and hide as much as you possibly can of your, yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you go home, you can like be who you actually are. Yeah. You know, the reason I asked that is not too long ago, I was facilitating for an organization and we went into a, a business mm. that, you know, they, they said that we are very inclusive of all religions, you know, all backgrounds, all faiths, yada, yada, yada. And I asked the question mm. and I was like, what holidays do you celebrate in December? And they were like, well, Christmas. Right. Everyone has offered Christmas. Yeah. I was like, well, there's 14 religious holidays in December. Yeah. 
So, yeah. you know, so let's talk we about the other <laughs> Right. You know, what does what does inclusion look like in this space? Yeah. And so it's about brainstorming kind of how can we be more inclusive? Right. Yes. You know, there are the founders of that organization, you know, were Christian and yeah. they wanted to support that. But how sure. many people have to take off or eat into their vacation time? Yeah. in order to celebrate, you know, yeah. their holidays. And yeah. so it started this really interesting conversation that they thought they were doing all the great, wonderful yeah. things. But when you really think about it from the standpoint of, like you said, being the other, mm. how many hoops do you have to jump through? How many extra steps do you need to take? How much time do you have to take away from vacation that everyone else is enjoying yeah. to enjoy a holiday that the company is enjoying because they're Christian, right? So, yeah. you know, that that's one of the things that um, I have noticed immediately. And that's usually one of the first yeah. questions, like which holidays do you take yeah. off? Yeah. Um, the other thing, and I, I want to talk to you about this too, is I've started to notice that they are creating, some organizations are creating um, rooms or spaces yes. for, um, and I can't even just say, cause I'm, they're not saying for religious reasons, right? They're like these private spaces that yeah. you can move into. They usually like, use like meditation rooms sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, talk to me about, um, like what you've seen in that space, yeah. how, if they have those spaces, how could they make them more inclusive? Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. So first about the holidays, like that is for me, honestly, like if I'm talking about religion and DEI, that is like the lowest bar. Lowest hanging fruit. Just like the idea (laughs) that other religions have holidays that aren't at the same time as Christmas. And also just want to like put a point on the fact that this conversation, when I have conversations around including religious diversity in DEI, it is never to take away something from Christians. Right. Right. Christians should be able to celebrate their holidays. They should be able to do the things that they want to do as a part of their faith, as is reasonable in like a multi-faith, interfaith, multi-ethnic society and company. Right. So the issue with Christianity in DEI religious conversations is when superiority is right the rule right when christianity is at the top and everyone else is like very clearly at the bottom not even sometimes like even acknowledged right so that's the problem we're trying to level the playing field as we do with other aspects of diversity and identities right so i just want to be very very clear that I as a muslim especially like Islamically, I don't touch on the religion of Islam too much because I am not an Islamic scholar. There are many different sects of Islam that I am not familiar with. So just to be clear, I'm not, I don't have these conversations to like talk about the religion of Islam too much, more about the Muslims, the people who do things for many different reasons, religion being one of them, right? Um, And so the idea being is that with Christians, um muslims view christians and christianity as like a cousin faith right just like judaism is a cousin faith because they are abrahamic faiths yeah. so we have a lot of the same prophets and we revere a lot of the same like the vast majority of the values are the same 
Right. Even in other religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, and so on, like when you take away the terms that they're using in different languages and you like look at the descriptions of what their practices are, their values, it's like the vast majority of values are like, yeah, exactly. Right. So going and I don't want to go so far the other way to be like, oh, we're all basically the same and it doesn't matter. Not like. Yeah, we're like we're <laughs> great blob and we like none of this ever matters. So anyway, just like having that middle ground. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Uh, so the idea being right is that we're trying to level the playing field so that people of different identities, there are some who are marginalized and some who are not and privileged. And just like that phrase goes, um, those who are accustomed to privilege when they are used when they are met with equality or equity it feels like oppression right mm -hmm. so that i feel like is something that i'm trying to preempt as much as possible with this whole stick around like christianity and like christians it's okay like i'm not trying to take anything away from you which i do really mean right okay so having said <laughs> all my qualifiers the idea with holidays being kind of the lowest bar mm -hmm. right because the idea for instance with muslims um our most prominent holiday of course is Ramadan which is a month-long um, celebration of fasting from sunrise to sunset so not all day every day right you eat no I have people who are like oh my god you go a whole month without eating like no it's not possible when the sun is up we don't eat we don't drink and then when the sun sets we eat and then you know do that for a month and then so the holiday of note is um, Eid al-Fitr, which is at the end of the month. And so it's a celebration of like commemorating like, good job, we did it. You know, it's not as, it is not a, yay, it's over. Right. <laughs> right, no, because right. you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, fasting is so difficult. How could you possibly do that? I could never, right? So Muslims don't see the fasting, like, yes, it is difficult, but in a really meaningful way it is a deeply spiritual time reconnecting with your faith reconnecting with your community community and events and having breaking our fast together in meals at the mosque or at people's homes is huge yeah so it's not a holiday of yay it's over it's a holiday of like congratulations everyone on yeah beautiful month and looking forward to next year and so on right so the idea, the idea with Eid al-Fitr, what's difficult is because the Muslim calendar is a lunar calendar. And I do believe that the Jewish calendar is similar, is also a lunar calendar. Um, any Jewish folks who watch this, please do feel free to correct me. But I have been told by Jewish folks that that is the case. So the idea is that we won't know when the start of Ramadan is or when Eid al-Fitr will be until we cite uh, the new moon and mm -hmm. we're not going to know that for sure until the night before so when we so if a muslim were to put in a request to their manager for time off for eat the fits let's say they're like it could be this day or this day right this day and like muslims can't do anything like we literally will not know so at best which is still not great. Like we could try and be like, okay, I think it's going to be this day, but then if it's not, they took the day off anyway. So yeah. that is a hassle. I understand. But if you are as an organization committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and Muslims have no issues with putting this time off in advance, this past Ramadan earlier this year, I saw so many posts 
on LinkedIn talking about Muslims who had put in requests for Eid al-Fitr off months in advance, a month in advance. They did all the things that you need to do to ask for time off. And it was still denied like yeah. a month, two months in advance. Right. So the idea being is that if you can accommodate other aspects of identity, other faith requirements or, you know, things that are really, really important to members of certain faiths, this is something that you are showing how much you really do value inclusion. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's such a wonderful example because, um, you know, oftentimes when managers decline these things, they're not thinking of the religious aspect of that, right? Like they're not thinking of the celebratory aspect of that. They're thinking of, we have a deadline. Like they're thinking of the business. And, you know, I, I, again, go back to, I use December as an example so often because it's like, I know so many people that between Christmas and New Year's, you don't, the offices are crickets. Yeah, yeah. Offices may not be closed, but so many people take off, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's, how do we shift our mindsets so that we understand that that time off or, you know, that time of that downtime, I'm not going to say it's not time off, that downtime may happen at other times of the year yeah. for other people. Yeah. And right? there are and people who don't like. celebrate Christmas during that time or New Year's for that. Right. And they <laughs> who would be happy to work. Not yeah. everyone. I'm not saying everyone. Is anyone watching this? Like, right. I don't speak for all Muslims. I don't know all people. There are many people with different opinions. But I do know that there are some people who don't celebrate Christmas who would be happy to work during that time in exchange for that time, use some other. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so that's how organizations can start to rethink time off. Right. Or time away or celebration of religious holidays. Yeah. Um, You know, the other thing that I touched on, I want to go back to was just spaces. Right. Yeah. Because I have two, I've seen and I've worked in several organizations where it was, we had a quiet room, mm. we had a meditation room. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, then there was like this one weird combination thing that we, we couldn't figure out. Nobody knew what it was. So nobody ever knew. Or... <laughs> nobody knew what it was. They had all of them? Three? No, no, no. It was like oh, in different different oh, I was like, wow. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of like this particular place. They did it as it literally was a room with a chair. Okay. And so we're like, okay, so what is the purpose of this room? Like because no decorations in the room and a chair. And so like not all faiths. That's funny. Fit, you know, like yeah. so a couple of things come to mind. So one thing is having a separate space. And if you want to call it like a meditation space or a spiritual space, a quiet room, like amazing. That's cool. And making it known throughout the company, like on onboarding, managers can remind their employees like, hey, this exists. We want you to use it. Right. Because a lot of times if um, com- um, employees don't have psychological safety in the organization Mm -hmm. and the organization is trying to change that or if they have a new employee who hasn't experienced psychological safety up until this point they're not going to believe you the first Mm -hmm. time you say it so you have to like tell them multiple times you have to encourage them you have to like 
have people modeling that they yeah. are using it, especially if it's possible for leadership or managers or director level people to be using the spaces. And this is, goes for all sorts of like accommodations. And if someone takes maternity or paternity leave, imagine if the CEO of the company takes paternity leave, like, oh my God, no. Okay. So this organization really means it when right. they say they want fathers to take time off with their children. Amazing. Right. Okay. I believe you now. Right. If yeah. you are watching all your leadership and your managers and just everyone as a new employee and no one is taking advantage of the resources or like, they're like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want to be the one person who's right. doing it, right? Like, so you have to be able to model those things. So I said the same thing about self-care too. Like yes. if you talk about self-care, I need you to be taking time off or doing what you need for self-care yes. not just checking a box to say you talked about it. Yes, yeah. yes. No, and, and that is so true. One thing for me that was a personal, very powerful experience was that at a previous uh, job, I had a manager who openly talked about like, oh, I can't have a meeting at this time because this is my weekly therapy appointment, right? And just like completely normal. Like this is when it is. I mean, it was in the morning before their shift, right? So it was like, oh, we can't do anything earlier than normal on this day because this is my weekly therapy. Yeah. Like, oh my God, amazing. Okay. Right. And like okay, there's like there's psychological safety to like acknowledge yeah. mental health as a thing. Yeah, right? absolutely. So that's as far as like using the room. Um, and then also because folks are not usually used to talking about religion publicly in a way that is inclusive and understanding of each other. Most people that I have come across, even just like regular people, employees, when they talk about their own faith, they are used to, and it's something I had to unlearn is that the only time you talk to people outside of your faith about your religion is with that, like proselytizing, converting lens yeah. and making that shift of, Hey, everyone, this is what trying to like persuade someone sounds like. And here's what describing sounds yeah. like so our goal describing if the person you're talking to is interested in hearing and has asked you, Great, here you go. This is what we don't find acceptable, right? Making the policies very clear, making yeah. it very tied to your DEI statement and your DEI work in general, all the good things. So the idea being is that in the prayer space or in the meditation space, right? Making it about like, there, you can't just create the room and be like, oh, everyone's gonna play along really nicely. Like, mm, you just put a little bit of structure, put a little bit of structure there of like what is acceptable, you know, behavior, right? Like we don't want, you know, the, like Muslims have usually prayer rugs. They right. don't have, to have a prayer rug, but usually like it helps keep things clean that they're like Muslim prayers, if, you know, the audience has not seen. Um, you can Google it. Please don't like go and try and find a Muslim person to like stare at them while they pray. Please don't do that. <laughs> like you can Google it. Like what does Muslim prayer look like? I'm sure there yeah. are many pictures that uh, pop up. But in the meantime, like it is a very physical act and part of it involves prostrating all the way on the ground, right? Yeah. And so a prayer rug is important if it is available just to have like a clean place to like be on the ground, right? Um, and Muslims don't wear their shoes as well, right? right? So if Muslims have their prayer rugs out, maybe asking like, hey everyone, when you have finished using this place, please fold up the prayer rugs and put them in this box right? Just mm -hmm. as an FYI, um, if someone else is using the space, maybe make it about like, 
there's an occupancy number, right? Don't make it like, oh, people just know that the room is full and they just won't. No, like, let's just like, right? I mean, anyone who's been in a workshop, how many times have we been in a workshop and we do this generally the same sort of community agreements at the beginning, like respect yeah. everyone. It's okay to disagree, but we have to do it in this way and not this way. Yeah. Like the same yeah. parameters or, you know, yeah. creating those parameters. Because it's not yeah. that like, of course we generally hope and assume that most people will be respectful, but just in case like you need to put those, like that structure there at the beginning, yeah. right? In the same way at for these spaces making sure like hey everyone this is a room not just for any one religious faith or two religious faiths. again i do like calling it like a spiritual or meditation room because a lot of times there could be people who are not uh like religious who just need a moment to meditate like literally just meditate. Yeah. You have an app on your phone and you yeah. just want to, like decompress amazing i'm there are studies yeah. Like that can be so helpful for mental health, for your productivity, for your concentration, and so on. Imagine yeah, if you on my phone, yeah, <laughs> right? So, encouraging people to use it for that way, yeah, so yeah, like having how many people can um be in the occupancy, yeah, yeah. And I think it's important what you said around identifying what those parameters are because mm -hmm. that same place that I worked that just had this chair and no one knew what to use. It yeah, for. I was going to use it. It ended up being almost like this phone booth, like people took private calls in there, right? Which was so not the purpose yeah. of the space. Yeah. Um, and so again, I think it's it's okay to clearly identify, like use this space for, you know, yeah. how you want to support your spiritual growth or your religious practice or what yeah. have you. And yeah. it's okay to say that, mm. right? Um, because oh. what you're not saying is this is for everyone that's not Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because yeah. I know there have been times at work that I've like, I need to pray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> somebody or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I think that th th I just love, you know, that you that you clearly stated that. Yeah, and I would say one thing that I just thought of that I want to be very clear about also. Okay. One of the stipulations as a part of these rooms should be leaving proselytizing materials, little booklets, little pamphlets. Mm, <laughs> that is not okay, right? Yeah. Don't be like, I'm going to go pray. And, oh, I left these, like, pamphlets afterwards yeah. about whatever right no that's yeah. not that's crossing the line into proselytizing yeah I, I think that's a good point I, and back to your point too around educating people it's one thing to have and I, I've seen this too where it's mm -hmm. kind of basic definitions right mm -hmm. like for Sikh Islam Christianity, you know, whatever it is, and it's just high level information yeah. that basically you could get on Google. But yeah. I've seen that in some of these spaces too, where again, it's just like, oh, okay. And back to your point of people may see some commonalities. They may yeah. see, like, oh, okay, I didn't know that about this particular religion, mm -hmm. right? That's something that my family's been doing for years. And so it starts to make some of those connections yeah. where when we leave it to other folks, right, they, they make you think of 
how other other people are versus yeah. how similar we are. Yeah. Um, and and I wanted to thank you for bringing up the psychological safety piece in this because I think that that is and modeling behavior mm-hmm. because I think that that's another aspect where I've seen several leaders that have left their religious backgrounds or yeah. faith oh. or yeah. because they did not want to feel othered and then that sends a message to their employees as well too and yeah. so I think it's important again that everyone models the behavior that they want to show inclusion, particularly in this space, because we do it for so many other aspects of diversity and inclusion. So the last question for you is, how do you fill your cup? How do you take care of yourself as you're doing this work? Um, (laughs) It's not a quick question. I definitely need to be better about it. Uh, (laughs) I would say one, when I can, when I have the opportunity being in community with others doing this work. Mm. And that's not, I guess being in touch with my own religious community feel, fills my cup a lot. Um, it reminds me of why I'm doing this work. And also being in conversation one-on-one usually or one on like a, th- a group of three conversation with DEI folks that share my values. And honestly, most of the time they're not Muslim. And I see, again, like taking off the descriptions of like mm-hmm. Islamic things. And if I just look at the values, they're exactly the same, right? I see so much of myself and my values in my colleagues in DEI who are not Muslim and don't know anything about Islam. I'm like, yep, that's Muslim. Yep, that's Islam, that's Islam, that's Islam, right? And I gravitate. And I'm not saying they like anything like on them about being Muslim or like, but just like, again, the common values that if we take away the different So that's like a more, you know, I don't always have the opportunity to get on calls with people. So I take them as I can and they're so incredibly valuable to me for that reason. But in general, I would say that recently I am trying to rekindle uh, my love of K-dramas, which are Korean Mm -hmm. television shows, especially I love (laughs) (laughs) rom-coms. And the thing for me is like, I have DEI colleagues who will like do this work, which is so incredibly difficult, but then they'll go watch like dystopian end of the world shows. And I'm like, no, I need something to point me Like, I, I want to watch the fluffiest, most nonsense, <laughs> silly show yeah. ever after working in the, like, I can't handle more sadness and, like, injustice and, like, right, yeah, so I'm, like, okay. yeah, so I'm going through Netflix and, like, they have a lot of amazing, they have a lot of amazing K-dramas, but it was interesting. Um, yeah, no, like, K-dramas are amazing. Wonderful. Rahime, thank you so much for being with us today. I, you know, I learned a lot. It also reinforced a lot of things that I've been saying. Um, and again, this is an aspect of diversity and inclusion that we don't talk about so, as much. And so I, I just am very appreciative of you joining us today. So how can people stay in touch with you or connect with you? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for this conversation. I'm so grateful to have been here and shared this time with you and your audience as well. Um, you can find me at rahimeramazani.com. Yes, I am sorry, you will have to learn how to spell my name. 
Um, but you go there. I am also active on social media. Um, you can learn like just from general content, educational content on diversity, equity, inclusion, and intercultural topics, especially of course, around Muslim inclusion and religion and DEI, but I do talk about other topics as well. So social media and my website are excellent places to find me. Wonderful. And I will say that I am not a huge fan of TikTok, but I follow you on TikTok. <gasps> oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. It's like it's so, it's a beast. It's yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for that because I think you have some wonderful content that's out there that um is entertaining but also educational and, and it really causes people to think. So thank you so much for that. And thank you to everyone for watching or listening to this episode of DEI After Five. You can tune in every Tuesday at 5.15, where we will drop new episodes every week. Um, be sure to subscribe here or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Again, thank you so much for being here. See you next time. Have a good one.